The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Welcome to another edition of The Five Star Zone. I'm your host, Rico Beard. I got a special guest with me today. I met this gentleman uh, over the years covering the Washington Huskies. And then when Kenneth Walker went out to Seattle, he called me up. And then we went back and forth. And I've had the pleasure of watching his Huskies just dissect the Michigan State Spartans for a couple of years in a row. Dave Softy Mahler from uh, KJR out in Seattle. Uh, Dave Softy, it had to be exciting for you guys making it back to the national title game, knocking off Texas, and what first time since what ninety one since uh, the Huskies have been in the title game? Yeah, well, I mean ninety one. Remember there was no title game, so you got Miami playing in the I think they played in the Sugar Bowl or the Orange Bowl that year. Right. And then Washington played Michigan in the 91 Rose Bowl, January 1 of 92. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got a big old picture. I'm, I'm, I'm checking it out right now. Ricky Powers, former Michigan tailback, getting tackled by Chico Fraley and Jaime Fields and Donald Jones and Dave Hoffman. Uh, they won that game 34-14 to 14 to claim a half a share of the title, shared it with Miami. So Washington is looking for their first uh, title in 33 years, and Michigan's looking for their first championship in 27 years. So something's got to give, baby, on Monday night. Something's got to give, man. Uh, just for those not aware of what's going on with this Husky team, kind of give them a breakdown. They come on a lot of late-night games here on the East Coast. I follow them because they've kind of become my second team, as people on the show all know. They, they're like, I keep winning bets. My co-host hates you guys. So every time you win, I get a new hoodie. So – Right. So it's like, yeah, somebody told me I should have a fashion show this week and kind of be like Aretha Franklin and just every segment come out with something new Husky stuff. So uh, tell us about this Huskies team, man. How did you guys go from a few years ago, kind of at the bottom to now you're you're one game away from winning it all? Well, first of all, I love the fact that you have a Sugar Bowl broadcast on behind you, man. That's awesome. Uh, Great, great production there by you. And then second of all, yeah, four and eight. Two years ago, Jimmy Lake gets fired. Uh, there's an interim head coach in Bob Gregory in the Apple Cup. They start a pure freshman and Sam Heward in that game, who's Brock Heward's nephew and Damon Heward's son. And it's a freaking tragedy. They get destroyed by Wazoo in the Apple Cup. Jaden Delora, who's now going to be transferring to his third school, plants the Washington State flag at the 50-yard line. And it's a complete mess. And they go out and they get this unknown guy from a lot of people's perspectives and Caleb DeBoer from Fresno State, and here we are two years later, and he is uh, he's 25-2 and two as the head coach at Washington. He's won 21 games in a row, and Washington's on the verge of a national championship. I mean, the biggest reason why they're here is obviously because of him and the fact that he had a relationship with Michael Penix going back to Indiana and convinced Michael Penix to come to Seattle with him to play quarterback. But there's also some other pieces here. You go back and look at Chris Peterson's Last recruiting class at Washington six years ago. Uh, Troy Fatanu, your starting left tackle. Braylon Trice, Zion Tupaola Fatui. Bunch of players on this team that were here, but we're not getting the proper coaching. Roma Dunze, McMillan, uh, all these guys played for Jimmy Lake and John Donovan, but none of them are doing what they're doing now, man. So coaching matters. The transfer portal has been gigantic for them. Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State has been unbelievable for UW. He's got a bum wheel. You saw him getting carted off the field uh, after the Sugar Bowl. Ryan Grubb, 
uh, and uh, Kalen DeBoer both said they think he'll play in the game on Monday. How effective will he be? We'll find out. But, dude, the portal and, and just flat-out culture and coaching has gotten this program to where it is right now. So, yeah, because Softy, my guess, the biggest question is, is it Kalen DeBoer or is it Michael Penix? Like, yeah. is, is, or is it a combination of the two? Like, I guess later we'll add, like, what happens when Penix leaves? Can you keep this magic going? But yeah. is it Kalen or is, is it Penix? Well, look, man, I think in the end it's going to be Kalen DeBoer. I think it's his program. It's his culture. It's his system. It's his approach. But there's also a chance that Kalen DeBoer – is going to struggle to find another quarterback like Michael Penix. And that's okay, right? Because you can win other ways. You can win a great defense, great running game. Uh, they got Will Rogers, the kid from Mississippi State, transferring in for next year. But Michael Penix should have won the damn Heisman Trophy, Rico. You saw his <laughs> performance against Oregon. You saw the performance against Texas. He absolutely should have won the Heisman Trophy. This guy has been playing in pressure-packed games for two months. Jaden Daniels has been sitting back with his hands behind his head, relaxing, just putting up video game numbers with no pressure whatsoever because LSU obviously lost the opener to Florida State. So no disrespect to him, but th th this guy should have won the damn Heisman. So oh, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I think here's the good news for – I mean, it's not going to help with Michael Penix Jr., but yeah. from here on out, because Washington is moving to the Big Ten, you're now going to be seen. The biggest problem was your game started too late. No, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, and look, I mean, but just back to your point about yeah. Kalen versus Mike for a second. It's possible that this is the best quarterback that Kalen DeBoer will ever have at Washington. I mean, you're, look, how do you how do you get better than Michael Penix? Well, you got a Heisman winner is how you get better, number one. More touchdowns, higher completion percentage, a stronger arm. This may be the top of the mountain for him. Doesn't mean he can't win a different way and with a different quarterback, but this may be the best quarterback he's ever going to have. Ryan Grubb at some point in time is going to move on. That's his play caller. We had Kalen on the show a while back, and we asked him about that. For Husky fans that wonder how much of this is Ryan Grubb and how much of this is you, and without saying it, he basically said, look, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this a long time. I've been winning a long time. I know what I'm doing. So Washington's going to be just fine with Kalen DeBoer as their head coach, but if they win the national championship on Monday, how do you eclipse that? By winning another national championship, by blowing somebody out in the in the in the title game, so this no. might be the top of the mountain for Kalen, man. Uh, Softy, I'll tell you this: if you win the national title game, you go on what I like to say a four-year honeymoon period where he can do no wrong. That's where right. there's going to be a lot of kids named Kalen, boy or girl. A lot of kids are going to be people are going to be naming their kids after this man. Dogs are going to be named after this man. You'll bask in that glow for about four years, and then people will start saying, oh, what have you done for me lately? So right, right. winning that game, it, it's going to be important for you guys. And and I don't know how much you saw of the Rose Bowl, but Michigan's defense just flat out dissected the Alabama offense. They yeah. brought pressure. I, I think they had three sacks within the first five snaps. Uh, you know, Alabama never saw a moment of peace in that first quarter. It was the defense that carried that team. A little bit different because with with uh, Washington, your O-line is phenomenal. And your O-line is, you know, uh, what, didn't they, they won the Remington Award, I believe. Joe Moore Award, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So 
if you're, if you're, I guess, if you're Washington, how do you keep that Michigan defense from getting to Michael Penix and, and yeah. stop this offense? Uh, you do what you've done the entire damn year, and you keep guys off Michael Penix. I mean, look, man. I mean, no, no disrespect to Michigan's defense. I know they're freaking phenomenal, and they're unbelievable. But Washington has faced Utah's defense. They've faced Oregon's defense. They've faced Oregon State's defense, and they faced Sweat and Murphy on Monday. And nobody could get after Michael Penix. And if you watch the Sugar Bowl, which I know you did, now you're seeing an element of Michael Penix's game that has really improved, and that's evading pressure, stepping away, turning around, that spin move. How many times did we see him get out of pressure on Monday night and fire missiles down the field? A lot. And again, it's possible, Rico, that Michigan's defensive front is just so much better than everybody else that they've seen that this will be a completely different animal for them on Monday night. I'll, I'll certainly grant you that. I will also, though, grant you that Michigan has only got one team in the Big Ten in the top 50 in total offense, and that's Ohio State. This is a defensive conference. You know that as well as anybody. Right. How much of a shock to the system will it be for Michigan's defense when they see this offense on Monday night because they've seen nothing like it in the Big Ten? Nothing. No, they haven't. It's off the, I, I've actually said – the defense won the game, the Rose Bowl for them. In order for Michigan to win this game, yeah. it has to be the offense. And, and it's not what a lot of people are thinking where you're going to have to go out there and it's going to be J.J. versus Michael Penix and trying to the first one to throw for 400 yards. It's actually the opposite of that, where Michigan would have to do what they did against Penn State and just ball control and bleed the clock, limit – you know, make sure that Washington only touches the ball six, seven possessions the entire game and right. try to keep this thing into the teens or the low 20s. Now, that being said, like when you, when you look at this, how does this defense go out and, and battle this Michigan running game in Blake Corn? Well, they do what they did against Bucky Irving in Vegas. I mean, I happen to think that Bucky Irving is just as good, if not even better, than Blake Corum. Uh, he's phenomenal, and they shut his ass down in Vegas. Him and Jordan James could not do a damn thing in that game against Washington. And that's the cool thing about this defense is all of a sudden they're starting to play better. They're playing their best defense they played all year long, Rico. I mean, there was a point in time this year where they were kind of getting pushed around a little bit. I mean, obviously it's kind of a bend but don't break defense. You saw the last couple drives for Texas on Monday in the Sugar Bowl. Texas had eight plays from the 13-yard line on the final two drives and got one field goal. Uh, obviously, they had to go to the end zone on the final drive, so they could have had the extra three points. I get that. But the defense against Bucky Irving and Jordan James in Vegas was sensational. So, you know, Dylan Johnson actually has more yards than Blake Corum does and averages more yards per carry than Blake Corum does. Michigan runs the ball, but part of the reason why their running numbers are so good is because they run the ball 500 times. They've run the ball over 100 times more than Washington has. I mean, you can't just look at running uh, at, at, at uh, rushing yards per game. you got to look at yards per carry. And, and 4.25 is good. Washington's a 4.42, okay? Michigan's run the ball 525 times, UW 391. So we're talking 130-plus more times than Washington has. And, look, I Blake Corum's awesome. I mean, everybody in this game is awesome, right? Dude, they're playing in the damn national championship game. Both teams are freaking great. But who's better? Who will have that little razor-thin margin of an advantage in this game on Monday night? And I had Blake Corum on my ballot last year for the Heisman, even after he got hurt. I thought he was awesome. He was awesome against Alabama. But Washington has seen running backs like this before. 
Damian Martinez, uh, Oregon State, had a big game against them. He's a bigger guy than Corum. He's hard to tackle. He's hard to bring down. Uh, we'll see, man. But UW has had their share of, uh, of running backs like this, and they've, they've, they've done pretty good. Like you said, it's going to be an interesting matchup when these two teams play. And I think, you know, if you're Washington, you've kind of been doubted the entire year. Vegas right. is saying that you're a four-and-a-half-point underdog. And all year long, I, I guess people wanted the Huskies to blow out teams, but they just found ways to win against teams. I, I was told there was no way you could beat Oregon a second time until they – they actually went out there and did that. Right. Is it kind of that mentality that nobody believes in us, so we got to go out here and prove all, everybody wrong? They love the fact that they're underdogs in this game. They love the fact that Michael Penix did not win the Heisman Trophy, and they love the fact that Adunze, who you met at Michigan State, great kid, did not win the Bolitnikoff Award. They love all that stuff. Yeah, would they have loved to have had a Heisman? Great. But now, today, they're using all that as piss and vinegar for this game on Monday night. And you're right. The entire country has been waiting for Washington to lose all year long. And every single week in the fourth quarter, they just find a way to win. I thought they were going to blow Texas out of the water at some point in time during that game on Monday night. It looked like they were going to blow them out of the water. They just could not get that final drive to go up 17, 20 points. Maybe it's not in their DNA. Maybe they like to play games like this. I have no idea. But look, man, this is going to be an absolute battle in the trenches. Who's got the better line? If Washington can protect for Penix the way they protected against Oregon and Texas, they're going to win this game. They do not give up sacks to anybody. Is it, does it change? We talk about uh, Michigan, you know, kind of having a shock to the system, seeing this Washington offense. Maybe Washington feels the same way on Monday. Maybe they go up against that front seven and go, whoa, holy moly. But if they can protect and get to what I think is the weakness, I'm not saying it's terrible, but everybody has a weakness. Um, the weakness of the Michigan defense, I believe, is the secondary. And if they can get to that third level, and give Mike time to throw with those four or five guys, I think they win the game Monday. Well, it's funny you said that. I, I was going to go somewhere else. But, yeah, for Michigan's defense, Will Johnson is a guy, he's probably going to lock up on your best receiver. So it may is be a he travel. And I, But I was about to say, the thing is, in the Big Ten, this wasn't a year of quarterbacks and receivers. So right. he locked up Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. still went out there and had a pretty decent day right. against him when they played Ohio State. So now – you know, Alabama, I mean, this this probably was the the most void of talent Bama team I've ever seen in my life. Like, wow. they, they were Alabama on the jersey, but when you looked at the – I mean, the center couldn't hike the ball. Like, the reason why they had that fourth and 37 against Auburn, because it was first and goal, and he had two bad snaps, and it pushed him all the way back. And in this game, in the Rose Bowl – it was a bunch – the final play of the game was uh, supposed to be a read option, and the ball was snapped so low that, you know, the quarterback just picks the ball up and says, well, screw it, I got to run into the middle of this brick wall. Right. And that was ball game. So, yeah, when, when it comes to the secondary for Michigan, they haven't been tested because it, it's Will Johnson and it's even Mikey Sanderstein, the safety. He makes a lot of big plays, but – you know, this is one thing where I do think Washington has the advantage. You guys probably have maybe three, four pro wide receivers all at once. It's it's almost unfair right. when you look at that. And it's I, I guess for me, the biggest thing is is Dylan Johnson. 
because I think he becomes the forgotten player because all you focus on is, well, they play seven on seven offense and Pendix is just going to draw back and throw. And I'm watching the Oregon game and, yeah. and it, was, it was Dylan Johnson. And he yeah, they don't do that. There's yeah. a, and, and I, I mean, look, you know this obviously, and it actually kind of, it pisses me off to be honest with you, Rico, because I think people are just flat out lazy. I think Booger McFarland is an idiot and he's lazy as hell. I think a lot of people that work for ESPN are lazy as hell. I'm watching some of these guys, including Stephen A. Smith uh, and Scott Van Pelt, who are mispronouncing Roma Dunze's name. One guy called him a Dunzo. I mean, like, what the hell are you guys even watching, man? Like, what are you talking about, dude? Is it really that difficult to stay up late on a Saturday night and watch one of the top five teams in the country? I mean, I get not staying up to watch Stanford versus Cal, but when UW's in the top five – and they're playing Oregon for the Pac-12 championship at 8 o'clock Eastern. You can't get your ass out of bed to watch that game. That's just lazy, man. So that irritates the hell out of me. But it actually is a – it's a point of motivation for them, for sure. You know, I mean, because this is this is just how it's been for the entire year. But you're right. I mean, Dylan Johnson has run for over 1,000 yards. The offensive line is the best offensive line in college football. I'm just looking some numbers up for Alabama. 56th in offense, 68th in passing. That's not what Washington is, man. That's not what Alabama has been. So I I just really wonder when they see this offense and they see Polk and McMillan and Adunze and Jeremy Bernard and Michael Penix and Dylan Johnson and this offensive line, how much better is this offense compared to everything else that Michigan has seen this year? On paper, it's a lot better. It is a lot better. Okay, and they just may be that great defense that can match up against anybody. I've been saying this, Rico, on my show the entire week. Normally, in a matchup like this, I would take the great defense versus the great offense every single time. Uh, NFC Championship 2013, Niners, Seahawks, Jim Harbaugh coaching for San Francisco. San Francisco's got the great offense. Seahawks have the great defense. Seahawks win 23-17 with the LOB and Sherman. How about this? Richard Sherman tipping away that ball against Crabtree. When Jim Harbaugh was on the opposing sideline, Elijah Jackson last week tipping away that ball to win the game for UW, wearing the same number that Richard Sherman did, 25, and now Elijah Jackson gets to face Jim Harbaugh in the title game. It's amazing. Yeah, You know what? How in the world did the game get that close? Because here's the thing. I'm out of town. I'm flying back on the red eye. It was 50 seconds ago. Dylan Johnson runs into the line. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Go ahead and take me to the airport because by the time the clock runs, it's going to be 14 seconds left. They'll probably just either take a knee or punt the ball, hop in the car. I'm trying to listen to the celebration. And they're like, well, you know, Texas gets the ball. It's, you know, with 50 seconds to go. I'm like, wait, what just happened? I guess my my, my question for you is, did, did, did the Ryan Grubb, the OC, just get cute at the end of the game? And instead of putting Texas away, like you ran the double reverse flea flicker, and it's just like, okay, yeah. you're up 13. Let's just put this team away. And then it was all of a sudden just drop back and pass it and throw it deep and throw it deep and throw it deep. And it was, and then before you know it, Texas came back and got into this game. Yeah, they had chances in that game to put Texas away for sure. There was a moment, I'm trying to look it up here, where Washington had a chance to go up, I think, 17 or 20, and they ran the ball right against Sweat and Murphy on third and fourth and one, and they couldn't get a yard with Dylan Johnson. Uh, Grubb was actually on our show on Tuesday and said, yeah, that, that, that was on me. I should have never taken the ball out of Mike's hands. But, you know, what happened at the end of the game is that Dylan Johnson got hurt. 
and the clock stopped. I mean, Oregon, they ran the clock out, right? First and 20 after the holding call, and Dylan Johnson picked up all of it on his own, almost scored on that third and nine run before he hit the deck to just end the game right there. But he got hurt, and when there's an injury timeout, the clock stops. Right. And you don't get to roll off what you were going to roll off if you had finished the play or taken a knee. So I had no problem with it. Stuff happens in football, man. The dude got hurt. I thought it was the right call to just try to finish it and run the clock out and end the game right there. They could have taken three knees, but they still would have been punting with about 12, 15 seconds left to go if they did take three knees. So that's what happened on on Monday night. It's probably an antiquated rule, Rico, to be honest with you, that needs to yeah. be looked at because the rule was in place to keep teams from faking injuries that are behind late in the game. But if you're leading, you have no desire to stop the clock. Not yeah, have that option of, nah, let's just, we'll get my exactly. guy. Exactly. So that, that's what happened Monday. Yeah, if you need, you could take the timeout away from me, but keep this clock running. So, of course, of course. Now, Dylan Johnson, the guy is a gamer. He didn't want to come out the game. I, I laugh because I'm like, you know, this is what happens when you literally, you know, you, you got real life. Like, this dude has a kid. Like, he has to go out there and get this thing done. Right. It, did he overstep and, and maybe – Maybe he should have come out uh, uh, and and let the backup play a little bit more because now I wonder, is he going to be healthy a week later for this game? No, no. They've been riding that guy all year long, man. This is just who they are. You know, he's got a bum ankle. I think he's going to play Monday night. I think he got to cut his head off for him not to play in this game on Monday night. I mean, you know these kids. And you mentioned the guy has got a kid, right? He, this, is, this is everything for him. Transfer from Mississippi State. Tybo Rogers is a freshman. Uh, who's been okay, Will Nixon, Richard Newton. They just don't have the depth at running back that they used to have when Cam Davis got hurt uh, over the offseason. So I think they'll they'll shoot him up, they'll they'll rub it up, they'll they'll do the Mr. Miyagi thing, right, and get them all fired up for the game on Monday. I mean, how effective will he be? We'll find out. But there, there needs to be a threat of a run game for this offense to function, I think, on Monday night against Michigan. Look, I mean, it's possible he could be totally healthy, Rico, and still get shut down by Michigan's front seven. Right. There's, there's, there's no question that's possible. This is the – what are they? They're the eighth best running defense in college football uh, at 93 yards a game. So they could shut him down even if he was totally healthy. But he'll play – the one added element, though, of the run game for Washington is Michael Penix not taking off on the run. He had three carries for 30 yards. When he first showed up here, they were really hesitant to run the guy because of his injury history at, at Indiana. And now with one game left in his college career, the hell with it. Man, just let him go. Let yeah, him go. Whatever means necessary. Yeah, I mean, I guess at this point, you just got to just go out there and, and, and get the thing. All right, Softy, uh, who's the player that nobody's talking about that could be that surprise player for Washington? Wow, great question. The player that nobody's talking about that could be the surprise player for Washington, offense or defense. Wow, there's so many guys to pick from. You know what? I'm going to go with Devin Culp. Devin Culp is a sixth-year player. He's a tight end. He wears number 83. If you watch the USC game in the Coliseum, he made the touchdown. Michael Penix rolling to his left as a left-handed quarterback. Slings it in there on the sideline. Culp grabbed it, both feet down, touchdown. There's so much attention paid to those wide receivers, and Michael Penix now on the ground. They usually like to leave Devin Culp in as a blocker, but mm-hmm. if 83 gets loose down the seam, 83, I think, could really be a surprise guy for Michigan on Monday night. So watch that guy this uh, this Monday. All right. So 
Washington wins this the national title if what happens? Yeah, if they protect from Michael Penix, if they do what they've done all year long. That's the beauty of this game, man, is that nobody's asking you not to do anything different. Just do what you've done. Go out there and be the best offensive line in college football. Go out there and and, and, uh, and protect for Mike. They've only allowed 11 sacks in 14 games. It's not even a sack a game. If they protect the way they did against Oregon, if they protect the way they did against Sweat and Murphy in Texas on Monday, Washington wins this game against Michigan. And Washington, Michigan wins the national title if what? If they get after Michael Penix and Blake Corum goes nuts and Washington goes back to the defense they were in October where they keep missing tackles. I mean, that's kind of a fear of mine. You know, Braylon Trice jumping off sides late in the game, which he does a lot, by the way. Washington kind of controlled their penalties in the Texas game. It was the Longhorns that had 10. The Huskies had five, which was fine for them. That was like a season low, dude. But they they lose this game if they can't control Blake Corum. And if J.J. McCarthy starts making plays down the field and they start throwing the ball, which they're not known for, obviously, then they're in trouble. All right, Softy, appreciate the time, man. I know you're going to be having fun. And by the way, Man, you were working overtime. I was actually listening to your post game show while I was on the plane. Like, does this dude even sleep? So <laughs> uh, I, I can hear the excitement in your voice. Good luck to you guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you guys. I count on you rooting for you, Dub, right? As a Spartan guy. Oh, my goodness, man. Hey, how, how do they do it? Yeah, here we go. You think you think all of Michigan Spartan or Michigan State fan base is rooting for you, Dub? Yeah, they were all Saban fans. They were all Bama fans. Yeah, they all had the roll tides all ready to go. So, yeah, right yeah. now there's half of this state that's uh, traded in their green for purple. I love it. Well, let me show you something. This is because people talk about Connor Stallions all the time. This is the lengths that Michigan will go to to improve their football team. Look at this, dude, right there. What's that name up there? I can't see. See that? See that name right there at the top of that letter? Who? Oh. Wait, who's that? You? That's me. And who's that <laughs> signed by? Who's that signed by right there? Look at that. I'm trying to see. The, 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 the. Who's see that? that? No. Who's that signature? That's Bo Schembechler. Oh, my goodness. Sent me a letter in 89. Somehow, someway, I got on the Michigan recruiting list because my <laughs> mom, I think, had written a letter to Michigan because my both my parents went to Michigan, by the way, right? which is crazy. But my mom had sent a letter asking about a football camp. And somehow, some way, I got on Michigan's recruiting database. And I'm getting <laughs> this is like one of five that I got from Michigan when I was a sophomore in high school. Well, you know, Connor Stallions was actually at the Rose Bowl game. I saw that. I yeah. saw that. You, you think he'll be here on Monday? I, I absolutely. I mean, there's no shame in their game. They, they honestly, they've embraced the, the black hat, but they've also gaslit the entire world and saying, well, everybody cheats. We didn't do anything wrong. It's like, right. Yeah, guys, right. actually, you, you did. There's a difference between driving 75 in a 70 zone and driving 125 in a 70 zone. Right. One, the cop pulls you over, gives you a warning, tells you to slow down. The other, they're pulling you over, they're taking your keys, and they're taking you down to the station. So right. for them, for Michigan, it's all or nothing. They, they, right. have to, they have to make sure that this counts. And the only way to validate it is to win it all. But I've told them, if you win it all, you know, don't cut the tags off your caps and T-shirts because you're probably going to have to take them back to the store. Wow. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to have you on our show tomorrow. But real quick, because Michigan State played both these teams, what do you think happens Monday? Um, it, it really boils down to 
if if Washington jumps out early and Michigan has never really been down by two scores the entire season, right? If you make JJ have to win you the game, he's gonna make mistakes. Right. If Michigan can control the ball and just run Blake Corm and because they do the misdirection offense, and that's what got Alabama was on a fourth and two, somehow or another, they left Blake Corm, probably the biggest name on the field, wide open for a 30-yard run catching the ball out the backfield. If Michigan's allowed to just ball control that offense and throw Michael Penix and that offense out of rhythm, right. they'll grind this thing out and they'll make it a, a 21-17 type of game. Yeah. But if, if, if Washington – I said, whoever wins the uh, coin toss, take the ball, score. Right. If it's Michigan, they'll try to suffocate you. If it's Washington, you got to play from behind, and that's kind of what happened to Alabama. Now, Michigan caught every break in the end of the game. I, I mean, it, the game is a matter of inches. When you look at the the play before the touchdown, the ball gets tipped by the Alabama linebacker, but it's tipped just enough that the receiver, Roman Wilson, catches it on his fingertips because the Bama safety was waiting for the interception. And then on the final play, uh, close to the final play of the game, when they punted the ball to, out to Michigan – I don't know why the guy goes to field the punt. He fumbles it. Mm. And Softy, you've watched enough football. The ball normally rolls into the end zone. It died right there, six inches from the goal line. They were fortunate. But they were playing from behind, and they came back. They're they're made for overtime. But, yeah, if you guys go out there and do what you did against Oregon, you should win this game by double digits. If if you're – if this is one of those games where Penix is getting frustrated, then that's Michigan because Michigan's defense is opportunistic. They yeah. wait for you to make the mistake. And when you make the mistake, they'll right. capitalize a hundred percent of the time. They're, you know, they'll they'll they try to bottle you up. And and your quarterback is so much different than Milrow. Milrow, yeah, th- this is the best quarterback that Michigan has faced all year. Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, was so good, the Buckeyes kicked him out and told him to go to Syracuse. Milrow, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the offensive line for Alabama, normally you, they got a bunch of first-rounders. Right. They got a bunch of CFL players on that offensive line right Crazy. now. Crazy, crazy. I mean, the center went and hit the transfer portal, and I'm like, where are you going, Lowe's? Like, right. who- to take you after watching that game no one so, i love it well yeah. i mean that's that's certainly something to watch early on you know the first couple drives for washington first couple plays for washington what's the offensive line looking like how do they hold up they won the coin toss against texas and they deferred and they stopped texas and forced a punt and then scored on the very first drive of the game including that 71 yard pass play to Jalen Polk. So I'm curious what they do too, dude, but it's going to be a freaking battle. I am nervous as hell. I am so damn distracted. I can't do anything right. Uh, right. I am leaving stuff all over the house, man. I'm wandering <laughs> off. I just keep bursting out in tears thinking about this game on Monday night. And I know, I know you'd be doing the same damn thing if you were in my position. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I, 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 I'm counting for that day to one day happen. I, we just need Michigan state to make a bowl game. Just yeah. any game. And, and we'll be happy. Because- you got the right guy, though, man. I mean, you met Jonathan Smith. He, yeah, right. I know he was on your show. He's an awesome dude, man. So I think you got the right guy. So I'm hoping so. Softy, good luck to you and the Huskies. And, uh, hey, if, if you guys win, I'm going to bring you back on next Done. week. Done. Right. If we win, I'll do I, You know what? You can ask me for anything if we win, and I'll probably say yes. All right? <laughs> My checkbook, man, I'll probably give it to you. 
All right. Uh, you know what? I want half of uh, Adunze's salary coming up. Done. For the- Done. I think, you know what? You know who else would agree to that? Rome. He would agree to that, too. Yeah. <laughs> He's a nice guy, man. Really. He's yeah. He's a great kid. He is an yeah. awesome kid, man. After you introduced me to him, I'm like, you know what? I can't root against this kid. This kid is just yeah. I mean, so respectful. You don't see that in a lot of kids nowadays. So yeah. appreciate your time, Softy. Uh, yeah, anytime you want me on the show, I'll be there. All tomorrow. Right. I'll text you for tomorrow. All right. Hope you enjoyed this. Dave Softy Meyer from uh, KJR in Seattle joining us here on the Five Star Zone. Keep liking, subscribing, and uh, tell your friends about the Five Star Zone. Be back a little bit later on. I'll also have Howard Griffith with me as uh, we'll get the Big Ten perspective of this national title game. But until then, I'll see you guys later.